Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, guys. Happy 2018, and welcome back to your one and only Soul Sisters podcast. I'm Jesse Katz. And I'm Dara Golub. Uh, we have a kick-ass guest to kick off the new year with, <laughs> Lizzie Plappinger. Uh, we have been dying to have her on the show for a long time, actually, and she uh, has a new solo project going on. Um, I mean, she's put out a few singles, and she has a, a new EP coming out at the end of this month, so this seemed like the right time to try to get her again, yeah. and here she was. Yeah, such a badass. Mm-hmm. First of all, I didn't know what to wear, because <laughs> she's just the coolest and most colorful and she's a fashion creative. Icon. And there's many articles <laughs> written about her by Vogue when you search for her as any music publication. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I feel like also like her smile, she just like exudes this like confident, excited, happy, like wonderful energy and like wears the colors and the fun to match it. So, yes. so there was that. So there was that. I was very excited. Um, but she's also a hero of yours. Especially yeah. For well, other reasons. I mean, we talk a lot about on this podcast and we've talked about having guests who are, yes, musicians, but also inspiring in other ways. And I think that Lizzie embodies kind of like what our idea of a soul sister is. She's a self-starter. She's made all of this stuff happen for herself. She's the founder of Neon Gold Records and subsequently a musician in her own right mm-hmm. with a band Miss Mister and now with LPX, her solo project. Mm-hmm. And I think we always sort of wonder what is in, in the modern 2017 2018 what does it mean to be on a record label what is a record label what is an indie artist all of these questions and she literally comes at it from both sides right um so it's it gives us a 360 view right. of being a badass woman yeah. in music and she also supports the careers of other amazing women artists that yeah. we love um She's, she has christine and the queens tovlo um charlie xcx right she was the first label for high passion pit yeah. saint lucia right, right. and um she she exudes an energy of support and like um, community as opposed to I think a lot of artists can feel the need to have a competitive you know edge and not be necessarily promoting others. Mm-hmm. And she's completely I think it's because of her nature and also because of the work that she does. She's supportive of other artists in a very like giving way. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well this is a dope way to start the new year. So let's just get to it. Lizzie Plappinger on Soul Sisters. We are here 
the end of the new year, the beginning of the new year. <laughs> Fuck, see, that's weird. <laughs> the end of the new year. It always feels natural Maya, the first time, time and then the repeat is the worst. You're like, why did this feel so good the it. first time? The last time she asked me to begin, off the, I never began, and she asked me to begin, and I like totally just botched the name of the guest. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Okay. We're using all of this, by the way. <laughs> Keep going. This is great. This is my dream to be here with you at the end of the year and starting a fresh year with Lizzie. Thank you so much for coming. Woo! Thank you for having me. I'm perfect. so stoked. What a <laughs> perfect an enormously warm reception. I'm, I'm loving it. Have me as often as you'd like. I'm yours. Great. <laughs> Monthly? Monthly. Residency yeah. here on Soul Residency Sister. on Soul Sister. Perfect. Oh, Consider me amazing. a Soul Sister for life. Great. <laughs> Even though you're already doing now your own hosting and like show show that hasn't come out yet yeah but the more doing so don't much. tell her she's too busy you know? for us okay. let her yeah, decide yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> I got all the time in the world with my soul sisters you know <laughs> okay. yes I think that for many many reasons you're you're like the perfect sort of epitome of a soul sisters guest you know part of that is because of the diverse things that you do and part of it is just just your amazing energy but I think that like <laughs> we talk I'm blushing you can't see me but I'm blushing <laughs> You can see. You we, guys can see. We talk a lot oh, about... Oh, looks at the camera. It happened. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. We've <laughs> been talking many. for about 20 minutes here. Um, we talk a lot about industry stuff, but always from a musician perspective. We have not podcast. really had the opportunity to talk to someone, not only just who's from an industry perspective, but who has both. So, and it's you. Okay. So now we can start. <laughs> Where do you want to start? Gosh. Um... Well, okay, let's start with this, that I, a little bit of a connection here. Yeah. So the first time I heard about Neon Gold is from a friend of mine, Ross, who's in St. Lucia. Just saw Ross the other night. He was at the LPX show. Amazing. He is an Iowa boy. My mom loves him because uh, we throw this uh, festival, Neon Gold, called Stars and Stripes every summer to raise money for the local YMCA. And St. Lucia came and played like two, three years ago. And uh, the band stayed at my house. And my mom <laughs> fell in love with Ross, as one does. Because he's like a good Iowa boy. He so she kept calling him Opie boy. the whole time. That's funny. And it's like, you know, your parents feel like certain fed. attachments to people come in and out of your life. Sure. And so my mom will call me like, now and then and be like, how's Opie? And I'm like, <laughs> you mean Ross? And I love Ross. But Ross is like, you know, like one of many characters in, in, sure. my, in my scope of life. But, yeah, yeah. but he is like. A, a okay. permanent force in my mother's mind. It's funny how your parents hone in on certain people like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once they make those connections, because once you graduate, your parents don't know your friends. No, like, not the right, way they right. like in high school. So it's different the way they attach to people once you're right. Older. And yeah, <laughs> I'm constantly painfully saying to my mom, "I haven't talked to her since high school. <laughs> yeah. Will you stop asking me? I feel like a shitty friend. You keep asking. I don't know. You follow her on Facebook too, so you know about her. You three have kids. I have no more information. For <laughs> right, you're like, I have many new friends. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so you know Ross. Yeah. So I know Ross, and I remember the first time hearing about Neon Gold is in like. I think 2011, I, so I'm making a, a documentary and I'm sort of really interested in the process of moving forward mm -hmm. and next steps and the, being on a record label is, is slash was, and I'm curious your thoughts on that, you know, the, the step ultimate. that means yeah. you are making it. Yeah. And so I remember hearing about Neon Gold and be like, oh my God, your, your band is on a record label. That is everything. That's amazing. N not knowing how just like cool and hip and amazing and like, you know, trend setting and everything that it would become or was, was, your, was your band trying to get with neon gold what is so your band in, oh my god <laughs> so Let's i was in i know ross from the new school where i met my all cool. my bandmates and we were in parlor tricks yeah i've heard of your band okay Sick. yeah yeah so <laughs> were we trying to get onto neon gold i don't think that was ever like 
specifically. You know, I don't think it works that way, really. Although no? I don't know, I don't know why we wouldn't have. You know, I mean, I it doesn't work that way that happened. a band will court a specific label. I feel like it has to go the other way, but you tell me. I don't I know. I think it could go either way. It could go either has way. it gone either way with for you Neon guys? Gold? Yeah. Where people have approached us. I'd say in recent years, now that we've sort of solidified the identity and brand of the company, and yeah. given just like the nature of relationships that Derek and I have, uh-huh. more often than not, bands are brought to us just because we happen to know managers and right. labels and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. Probably at the beginning, it wasn't quite as much that way. Right. Yeah. Yes. Right. But I mean, because now the artists that you have are are the top artists, and I guess this is another good place to sort of jump into like some stuff. It's an indie yeah. label with the hugest acts on it. Are they indie art? Well, what is indie to you, and and has that evolved? Independent, I think, to me and to Derek has always been, you know, that we are mm, autonomous and not compromising our vision and taste. And so while we've operated as an independent label, we really you know, like to claim ourselves as an indie label. Mm -hmm. And we started as a vinyl record label. You know, we were with Columbia Records as a joint joint venture for three years, and now most recently we've been with Atlantic for three years. So while we, you know, are independent and we have control over our own company and Mm -hmm. and signings, we are lucky that we have had the backing of major labels to pick up and take our artists to the next level. And so I think we've always felt like we're this really great one-two punch or an act where you get sort of... The hands-on, independent, unique attention of a small label, but uh-huh. when you want to really go dynamite, you have the strength and muscle of a major label to take you to the next level. What does that mean exactly? Like, can you give an example, of, like what you guys would do, and then when the major label would yeah, step in? like for example, I think one of the things that like Neon Gold is best at, and something that we've really established ourselves as, is mm-hmm. is tastemakers and yeah. a really good sort of stepping stone and jumping off point for an artist. Right. So when I think about something like Heim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw Heim at, at South by, fell in love with them, and then essentially, you know, put out singles and APs with them and booked their tours for like the first year and traveled wow. on the road with them and helped build them, like, build notoriety for them, whether it was through this blogosphere, through live, uh-huh. through press, general connections. And then by the time that, you know, the label and they were interested to like go to radio and really have enough money to make a music video, then the major label can get involved. Oh, okay. Pull the trigger. And Got is that it. still how it functions? Is that you're not, do not the the line to radio and the bigger stuff like that? We are now, as we've sort of evolved and gotten more comfortable as a company, and just honestly gain more knowledge after yeah. doing this for what will be ten years wow. next year. Wow. Now, and especially with Atlantic, I think we become more like hand in hand about developing a project. So most recently, okay. we're working with this artist called Matt Mason, uh-huh. who's absolutely incredible if you haven't heard please check out his ep which is out now a singer songwriter from virginia amazing um and we've been developing him over the past year and putting him on the road and developing music videos and working to radio and all that sort of stuff and i'd say that atlantic has been side by side in that process and i think that's what's that's really helpful for derek because i think down the line, we would really love to be our own company. I think we always look to a label like Excel. Uh-huh. You know, that's like for us the mark of being a brand that people recognize when you sign to Excel. That means something, mm-hmm. uh, and they do it all sort of in house. But they also have done these partners with major labels right. to really break things on a Grammy like scale and world like yeah. domination. And so we look to that model a lot. So to have this firsthand experience with labels greater than ours uh-huh. to learn from. It puts us in a better position, I think, in time to hopefully take on board what we've learned and be fully independent. Right. Yeah. So you don't hand people off to them. It's always a two-handed. 
it's two-handed and then if it gets to a certain point where it goes like fucking cowabunga yeah then you know there's there are opportunities for just like pure upstream right but even in those situations we've still honestly being kept on board as consultants because at that point we have such close relationships you're still the tastemakers right. taste taste and I think it, once you're part of the Neon the artist family, is probably comfortable having yeah, you still it, be involved it's really mostly that yeah. where we are so close with the artist and we have such a trusting back and forth right. that that stays on forever so yeah. for instance someone like St. Lucia someone that we signed for uh-huh. albums at Columbia we're no longer at Columbia Records technically we're not really a part of that mm-hmm. campaign anymore mm-hmm. but they're your friends. They're and our they're friends. Your... So I'm still in the studio with Jean, and he'll still play Derek and me things before he releases That's them awesome. and wants our opinion. And we'll always talk about campaign strategy or give our feedback wherever they want it. Yeah. Right. I think once that relationship is established, that's there forever. And that exists, honestly, even with artists that aren't like officially part of the Neon Gold family. It's, right, it's and that's more been a, It's a community. Right. And part of that has been supporting bands through the blog since the beginning or supporting bands through Pop Shop, which mm-hmm. has been such a huge piece of the neon gold conglomerate. How would you describe Pop Shop? Pop Shop for us is just an, well, I guess it started as an extension of the blog as a way for us to really, we always talk to bands. It's like, you know, you're starting band. You usually have to play like Mercury Lounge. It was going to be a really cold, sterile industry show. And what we felt so good about with Pop Shop was we're like, young kids, we're out of college. We can promise you a good fucking time, an amazing audience. It's going to feel like a party. It isn't going to feel like a weird, uncomfortable industry show. Yeah. And so Pop Shop has always had this incredibly just bright, fun party mentality to it. And so it was great to give bands an opportunity, instead of paying the three people, having a bit of a community and brand and following Neon Gold uh-huh. to promise them a packed out show. Right. And to build relationships with people. So like putting on Walk the Moons for a show or Group Loves for a show. Mm-hmm. That's It's great to build those relationships and to be able to be a part of their story without having officially have our hand yeah. on them with being the label. Totally. Do you? I, well, can I just ask, how do you find artists? Like, where where does the taste making begin? I would say Derek and I are obsessive. Okay. Like, I mean, just like completely obsessive, crazy people. just like going to like, see shows all the time. I guess, and- you know, at the beginning it was going to see shows, but it was also like, you know, being obsessed with MySpace and okay. Bandcamp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, going to shows and friends always sharing music with us yeah. and honestly just like living and breathing the blog life. I mean, so uh, this is so let's take it to like when Neon Gold was birthed yes. around like 2007, uh, 8. So yeah, so we we birthed Neon Gold. <laughs> so weird, so gross. Uh, in the summer of 2008 uh-huh. and I was at we'd sort of just started discussing it. I was at the end of my sophomore year in college at um, Vassar. At Vassar. And to that point, Derek and I had both done a bunch of different internships in a million different places. Um, Derek, namely, is like a, a scout for like Excel and a bunch of mm. lawyers and for Vice and similarly. It's like a dope job for oh. like a sophomore oh, in college. Totally. That's, <laughs> totally. there's, there's a lot about the story that I'm just like, okay, that's cool. But like, how the fuck did you like <laughs> oh. get there? You but know? he it's crushed it like- because he had. So Derek and I met. <laughs> so, I'm jumping around so Sorry. much. Derek and I met when we were. 14, 15, on Martha's Vineyard. I'm born and raised in London. He's, weirdly enough, born in London, but grew up in D.C. Okay. Um, we became fast friends. We were both campers at a, at a date camp and eventually became counselors when we really met. And on the vineyard? On the vineyard, on Martha's Vineyard. <laughs> which is, so that's like my U.S. home, weirdly. From, from London to MV. Uh, and I, we were just both obsessed with music. It was the thing we instantly clicked over. And mm-hmm. I was showing him a ton of bands that I was obsessed with from the U.K. And he was showing me music he loved from the States. And that was like, 
that was like the foundation of our where, friendship and relationship. Yeah. Where were you getting the music from? Because it was CD time. And yes. Like before MySpace when you were 14. That like, was so like. Yeah. So that was really, again, blogs. Blogs? And going to show. Yeah. I like it was early, early days of yeah, blogs. Okay. But I'm wondering like I'm in high school. I'm downloading things on Napster and yeah. LimeWire. I'm going to as many shows as I possibly can. Um, and so it's not from your parents. It's, it's like not you. from my parents. I mean, my 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 dad has amazing music taste, and my older brother, absolutely, I think was like a enormous part of how I first got introduced to like a lot of music. Like I remember seeing Miseducation of Lauryn Hill from him at a very young age, and that like that defining a huge a portion of the show. Yeah. yeah. Oh my, that just and stealing your brother's records. I mean, he had a huge case. I just remember taking them all the time. Yeah. So I was always into music, and they always loved music too. But yeah, downloading and going to shows and going to like there was a Tower Records on Uh Kensington High Street, which I lived off of, and I'd go all the time and I'd listen to their picks. And I'd also go to Rough Trade in Notting Hill, and they had like really, 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 really indie records that I wouldn't hear anywhere else. And I like loved the process of discovering records and and Uh talking to the the shopkeepers, like you know, about what they were listening to. And it was such. That's like the best such an source. Actual yeah. like living music culture where there was a real back and forth about what you liked and what you didn't like. Which is totally gone now. Coming back though, it's especially through but records. I mean, maybe not. I mean, rec- the record not store, but not that. In- I mean, I not guess that. there are online forums in right. terms of like Reddit and things like that, but not where like yeah. you but really hooked to a stranger. That ran those stores like they, they oh, knew totally. more than anybody. Totally. totally. Yeah. Totally because they lived. And breathed it, and yes. they were also that's all that there was terrified and judgmental. Thing, not just a business yeah. thing. Totally, right? yeah. I also remember. I remember. My, you know, I was in high school. My older brother's two years older than me, and he was at college, and Pitchfork was just starting out. Uh-huh. I remember him coming home from college and being like, "You're going to absolutely love this," and introducing me to Pitchfork. Yeah, and I was probably a sophomore, or junior in high school, mm-hmm. and and truly like, it was the first. I had ever heard of so many of these bands and, and mm-hmm. honestly heard a certain kind of music, especially electronic music. You know, I, I always really mm-hmm. liked rock and punk and alternative right. and pop and soul and funk, everything. Yeah. But I didn't really know that much about like really experimental electronic yeah. music like Wakes Up or Fortet or Boards of Canada mm-hmm. or even like, I, I remember when the Go Team, like uh, Thunder Lightning Strike came out and I was like, oh my God. That level of like sampling music from all over and, uh-huh. and putting it all together to create an entirely new sound, it it totally blew my mind. But you weren't playing so music excited. then, were you? I wasn't playing music. I was okay. just super fan, a super fan, yeah. like yeah. obsessive listener. <laughs> yeah. And again, like I I remember, yeah, falling in love with that Go Team record, going to see them, and this Norwegian psych folk rock band was playing. Dunyan was opening for the Go Team. Such a weird pairing that like would never happen now. <laughs> And this it, was and, in London. And that was this was in London. Yeah. I remember seeing them in Brixton together. And it was just self-perpetuating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, one band just led you to another band, led you to another community. And you, I was creating all these relationships with record stores. And at the same time, Derek and I were building sort of like a language uh-huh. of, of our music and the things we loved. And he was listening to a lot of, you know, pop punk and emo that was sort of around in, in England, but wasn't totally my taste. Mm-hmm. And that was really fun to like hear and see from his perspective. Mm-hmm. I remember Postal Service came out like yeah. the year we met, and that was like a huge record for us. Yeah, and we were just obsessive. I mean, honestly, it was just right. our entire life. Any downtime I had, I was listening for music. I was searching for music. I wanted to talk about music, uh-huh. and he was my main outlet to share it with. Okay, um, and we talk a lot about 
Block Party Sound Alarm being mm-hmm. the record that really bonded us. That's okay. it's probably one of my top three, if not my number one record of all time. Uh-oh. And I remember running to the store to get. I remember first hearing it. Zane Lowe premiered it on XFM too. Oh. Derek and I falling in love with all the singles that we had heard. The record coming out, it wasn't out in the States. It was out in the UK first. I ran to Tower Records. I bought it. I came home. I uploaded it. I sent it to Derek, and we listened to it over the phone. Oh, man. Like, That's the so whole record cute. started That's to front really and, like, talked about it. It's a and, wonderful romance. Oh, I know. I just, like, like when Harry met Sally. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, that record, that songwriting, it, like, felt like it was, you know, when you're that age, it just feels like music touches you in a way that, like, nothing does like it understands you and it mm-hmm. soundtracks your life mm-hmm. and well that definitely hasn't has been lost for you no, I mean that's it, like only grown and grown totally, for you totally and but with a yeah. record like that too like Paul Epworth produced it and Paul Epworth at that time you know he was doing remixes as an artist called Phones and Derek and I were obsessed and that's the uh-huh. first time we started talking about production and just everything stems yeah. from those beginning conversations I think between Derek and I about music right so then fast forward later yes He's running a blog called Good Weather for Airstrikes. Okay. He's interning at a bunch of different places. I'm feeding him music for Good Weather for Airstrikes, but I'm by no means a writer. I'm also interning at places. I'm booking shows at school. I've got a radio show at school. I'm working for promotion companies and venues and Hustling. labels in the summer. Yeah, because I assumed that to work in the industry, I assumed it was like a finance job where you have to work your way up. Right. You know? Yeah. Which it was. Which it, which it was. It was. Totally. So... It wasn't until... In theory. In theory. <laughs> in theory. I was like, you know, I was like, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to work in all these different places. Yeah. Hopefully... Work my way up to work a, my a way up major to position. label or whatever. Exactly. Like, fingers crossed, get hired so that I can work in the music industry full-time when I graduate. Mm-hmm. Dream. Dream. That's what, the dream. That was pretty much it. I, you imagining? I just... I mean, the pipe dream for yeah. Derek and me was to have a label. Okay. We're like, if we could do anything, it would be to find music and share it with the world. That's yeah. what we're best at. That's what gets us off the most. Yeah. That's what... We live to do. Do you pinch yourself when you're like, yes, that's. Oh, no. If I could go back to 15 year old me and shake me and be like, it's happening. And then also tell them all the curveballs that my life is taking. I wouldn't even believe it. I'd be like, you're just kidding. That's how. Oh, God. Um, So, okay. So you're doing all that and he's doing that. Yes. That's all happening. We're both, yeah, still sharing music. A friend of ours, Fran, who at one point worked for Neon Gold, took Derek to a show at Boston College. Girl Talk was playing. This is like so of the time. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, so what year is this? So this is, I get, this is, this is 2007 or 2008. Yeah. And he goes and he sees his band open, the band that opens his passion pit. Fuck. What were they up to <laughs> at the time? I, you know, they were um, still in college. They were at Berkeley. So Berkeley kids oh. playing like a local show, essentially. And <clears throat> I get, a missed call from Derek. I get a voicemail, and he's like, "Oh my God, I just seen the most amazing band, and they've got this song." And he's like, "I've never felt this way. I'm, 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 I'm so excited. Like, you have to listen to the song. I'm like really, really freaking out." Fast forward, it's like I just remember there were like there was a 24 hour period where we were constantly trying to get in touch with each other and we kept missing each other. It was like emailing. Or no, 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 Derek, Derek. And me. Like he's calling me, but I'm missing the call. I'm calling him back. I'm leaving a voicemail, like leaving a message on AIM, like yeah. sending an email, <laughs> sending a text. I'm like, we can't catch up. He eventually sends me the song. I hear the song. I freak out. I have the, I have the same What's reaction. Up? It's sleepyhead. Amazing. I'm I'm losing my mind. I'm like, oh my <laughs> god! I've got such an epic song. I'm like, I'm losing my mind. Yeah. We finally get on the phone together, and we're both like, oh my god, we're never gonna find a band this good unsigned. <laughs> like we have to do it now. Like whatever we're doing, like we just have to find a way to do this. Yeah. yeah. 
And that was the first I mean, conversation. You do? Yeah, what is it? So mm. then, like, if we were, if we had found it, we'd be like, amazing, cool. Right. Like, what, what, what is this? Where did you even begin? Well, I guess you were working in it, but okay. You so, talk. so the next, the next pieces. <laughs> we don't guess. The next, pieces, <laughs> the next pieces are essentially we head into the summer. Derek, I think is, I think Derek is in London that summer. I'm not sure where he is. I'm, I'm in New York. I'm working as an intern for Vice Records and Domino Records and AAM, which is like a college promotion company. And um, what happened? Basically, we spent that summer setting up all the legal stuff, like the boring mm-hmm. behind-the-scenes stuff, and, and putting in like sm- the small amount of savings that we had yeah. saved up and talking about like doing vinyl and what we wanted Neon Gold to represent, which was essentially our taste. And mm-hmm. our taste was that we came from different perspectives, but where we aligned was like this sweet spot, that if we both liked something, that it was for everyone. Yeah, And we cool. liked music that was too quirky and alternative for Top 40 at the time. And pop was a dirty, dirty word. word. It just right. wasn't cool. Yeah. yeah, It wasn't cool to like pop. Mm-hmm. But we liked things, yeah, too quirky for that side. But honestly, too pop and accessible for Pitchfork. Right. Yeah, There was just this real gaping hole where like there wasn't a place for artists with really accessible sounds and we were like well pop shouldn't be a dirty word there's really interesting unique pop being made this yeah. should be the kind of pop that's and redefining yeah. that genre mm-hmm. on which a mainstream the indie, scale where the indie which is where the helps. indie word comes in right yeah. which is sort of yes a foundation that sort of changed over time as the bands we've discovered right. have come to sort of redefine that landscape especially uh-huh. at radio right. and that's awesome but you're right that is a little different where now pop is pop is different pop right. is cool yeah. In a way that it wasn't. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Mm-hmm. Was also at that time the single, the idea of singles being like it, it being driven by singles as opposed to LPs or even EPs? That was, was that pretty weird. No, I'd okay. say that generally at that time people were still really held tight to an EP or an album model. We mm-hmm. only did vinyl singles because Derek is a huge Anglophile and I grew up <laughs> collecting seven inches and being obsessed Um with that model, which is a very English model, like HMV, you'd have like singles clubs. Uh-huh. Um, and there were UK labels at the time. Um, there was Young and Lost, and there's Chess Club, which is still a label now. And they were UK vinyl singles labels. And we essentially, we became friends with those guys, and we really just picked their brains apart and were like, how did you do this? Right. And, and completely built Neon Gold off of off their that model. blueprint. Wow. Yeah. And there wasn't really anything like that in New York, so it felt like a really cool way for us to sort of... Mm-hmm. Make your own. Make our own, and sort of, you know, nodded to sort of our English roots and... Cool. The kind of bands we were interested in anyway. Yeah. And honestly, Derek and I were still in college. Right. So doing singles, when you're talking about doing- <laughs> What more could you really do? A, re- a release of, you know- So it was less 500, strategic. Yes. 500 to 1,000 pressings of a seven-inch vinyl. That was an easy way for us to be like, this is like this sort is of a, a handshake, one-time deal. We can do this as far as we can. And then when that's done, we can move on to the next single. Mm-hmm. It was a manageable way of us building a public resume and relationship with bands. Yeah. And yeah. financially, we'll still- being in school right and learning the business because we also we're really flying by the seat of our pants i mean you can intern wherever you want and you learn something but you don't know till you're in it of course no now when you say you put your savings in does that mean also your families were helping you yeah i'm thinking about like i'm thinking about what we started with like we're literally putting i think we started with i think we started with ten thousand dollars okay i think we i I genuinely can't remember if we both put in 5000 or we both put in 10000 And I think you're right. That probably was a combination of savings that we had had sure. from being from camp being counselors. counselors. Yeah. So that's and whatever not going to add up to money, Which probably wasn't a lot. And, yeah. and our parents helping us out yeah, as well, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Was Passion Pit at the time like cool, like a, a vinyl single? Well, right. Like, like this is like this the craziest like... part of the story. So, we, okay. So we spent this summer like doing all the paperwork. I literally remember being in the Domino offices and like setting up like you know LLC stuff and talking uh-huh. to, to Pat Riley and Greg Walker and and Morgan Liebes, all of which were like still at Domino. And then being so sweet and really holding my hand through a lot of questions I had about the industry at that time. Uh-huh. I, this is just a side note, but I loved working at Domino. That was a really cool. special yeah. summer for me. Um, and Derek's brother-in-law <clears throat> is Sid, who's the bassist in La Savi Fav, okay. and also runs French Kiss Records. And Derek and I went to Sid and played him Passion Pit. And we're like... Are you interested? Do you like it? Sid got really excited and decided that he wanted to sign them to do an EP. And we basically asked, instead of a finder's fee, would he let us put out their first single as a way to sort of get going? Yeah. Which he wow. was fine with, which was amazing because that's obviously that's that's a huge coup for us. Yeah. And then on top of that, you know, we had to ask the band if, if they were okay with it. Mm-hmm. And the band were... I think they were just really happy to be found. Yeah. I think they were really happy to have people who really, really cared about it. And Derek and I were obviously like so uncool, enthusiastic about it. <laughs> and I think they were appreciative that we put them in a position where they were getting a deal out of it. Uh-huh. I think from their perspective, it's like, sure, kids like do a seven inch, like you know, yeah. It, it's not a lot to us. It's it's basically something that we can take on the road. Right sort now, of thing. it's there's nothing of, to lose. Right, really. and now it's kind of like commonplace. But then it was probably like even super like kind of weird but kind of just like this is really cool like uh, no one was doing vinyl I, totally I think they way. felt it was like I mean I can't really speak for Michael but I think from their perspective it was probably like yeah having a merch item to have on tour and mm-hmm. a good way to have their music officially released they got a deal out of it so were they on a label at that point so at that point they signed a French Kiss and then Columbia got really interested in Passion Pit and French Kiss and Columbia ended up doing a deal with, with them that we weren't a part of like As again in- like we were you know we were just the jumping off point right but yeah, you didn't get swallowed up from that situation. Yeah. Like, that's amazing. No. Well, again, still college kids. <laughs> I think everyone's like, what are you doing? Like, you have this blog. I, we hadn't even really, we haven't started Pop Shop at that point. Like, this was the first thing. Yeah. So no one yeah. even really knew, like, what we were, who we were. And, and, and for us, we were just excited. what year in college were you? So we started it the summer going into junior year. Okay. Because I remember that's when I started living with vinyl. Because I literally. What do you mean? It in your part in your dorm? In, in my dorm. <laughs> like I lived with it. Boxes, no, 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 no. Sleeping on saxophones. <laughs> sleeping like in between mailers. I mean, and thank God I'd had that AAM job where like I was just like, oh my god, stuffing mailers all summer. Yeah. I, mean, I got I got real good about doing that in like record time. I feel yeah. so amazing about that. So I lived with all the packaging. I lived with all the vinyl, and I I would send out all the shipments wow. myself. So I would get up early and I'd fill out all the mailing and I'd bring it to you know like. The mail desk at campus yeah. in the bottom of my dorm <laughs> got real friendly with everyone who worked at like the postal service, and they'd ship out. And I, because I have to do it in the morning because I'd have so many packages yeah. that right. people didn't want to wait behind me. What kind of student were you at this time? <laughs> yeah. Good question. No, no, no. I, I, I feel really good that I did. I did well in school. I was, you know, I was always someone who like worked really hard in school, uh-huh. but never. I worked hard. I didn't always feel that my grades reflected as hard as I worked. <laughs> okay, fair. That's fair. Um, what was your major? My major, I was a media studies major, okay. which sounds like a communications major, but 
Vassar Liberal Arts College. It's like being a philosophy major. <laughs> That's really uh, what it was. And I loved it. I didn't philosophy l- of media. Yeah. Well, it goes back to it. Aristotle. Yeah, yeah. Mar- Marshall McLuhan. Yeah, yeah right. The exactly. medium is the message. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so I felt, I, you know, I didn't like, I didn't like high school learning. That felt like mm. just rotary, like memorization. Like my, yeah. I hated it. Yeah. I loved college. Yeah, I loved Vassar. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I felt like I really had an opportunity to have an opinion about things. I was mm. reading intellectual and philosophical pieces that genuinely blew my mind wide open. It was yeah. a much more manageable like lifestyle and yeah. course schedule. You get to study what you're actually interested in. Right. I was able to work at the radio station and and book shows. There was such a culture of music at that school. I was so close to New York. Like mm-hmm. it was just the right thing perfect storm for me yeah so for me to be doing neon gold in addition to doing that it just made sense it, yeah. it wasn't a huge drain on my time I was just excited to be doing it all right and my professors were honestly really cool about it like, so they knew they knew they knew that I was doing it and I was taking a few different um like I was doing like musical urbanism and my focus in my study of, of media studies was in music okay so I think everyone saw it like aligning um, and I remember having to take my junior year finals, spring finals. It's the Great Escape in May, which uh-huh. is, is essentially the South by Southwest CMJ uh. of the UK. It happens in Brighton. And we were having a showcase and I needed to fly over for it. And it was during my finals and I had talked to all my teachers and they were like, yeah, you can go, but you're going to have to take your finals from Brighton. I was like, okay, well, this is really That's cool nice. that you're being super accommodating about yes. this. Yeah. And I remember taking my... U.S. history final, like, I had been up all night. Like, we'd had the show. I'd been partying all night. I probably got two hours sleep. I had to get up at 7 to, like, do, like, the like the essay, like, final, yeah. like, online at the same time everyone else is doing it. And sending it in and just being so shattered. And I was like, I can't believe I'm fucking doing this. I got an A on that yeah. final. I got an A. Might have been an A minus, actually, now that I'm, I'm saying That's it. That's an still, A. That's very still, flexible. I tell that story okay. to my parents a lot being like, it's like I got it done. Without... I made it work. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's your good multitasker. It's my good, I'm a good uh, multitasker. Yeah. <laughs> I'm better at multitasking than having too much time. Yeah. I've always been like that. That makes I, sense. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine you're a constantly just, as we were talking about before the podcast, the lists, the constantly constant doing lists. things. Right. Constant lists. Yeah. Did you, uh, we had Verite on the podcast recently. Oh. It's wonderful. I love Kelsey so much. I, I played a show at Babies on Tuesday. And she was there. And I've interviewed Kelsey for yes. the Vivo show. And yeah. she works with and dates Zach, who's the drummer in Miss Mister. And Zach produced on the last Miss Mister record. So we're a real tight-knit crew. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I just like don't have enough good things to say about Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. She's amazing. And which is an interesting thing because I'm curious, you know, she is a true independent artist yes, in a way that the is. word and which is why this word gets a little murky for me. For sure. And why the word independent? The word independent, because she could clearly, I'm sure, like be on Neon Gold if she wanted to. I shouldn't put that in your mouth, but I assume <laughs> from what you just said. And still be considered indie? Uh, no, my question is what is it that she's would get from the, that the label would constrict her or take from her that mm. she wouldn't want? Like, I mean, this is sort of transferring over to like, okay, other label philosophy. Yeah. What does it mean now and how, how do you feel about that? And it's, I'd say it's definitely shifted. A it's lot. definitely shifted. Yeah. And it's a conversation I have with myself a lot as an artist and then also obviously like coming to terms with what I'm doing then 
as running a label. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is so it's a really conflicting it's conversation. So fascinating. Even, like think to myself about. Yeah. I wanted to get to that. But the reason I brought up Verite was actually because she talked about writing her goals down and it being like sort of the secret situation where it's like, I will I want to play mm-hmm. music hall of Williamsburg. That is a goal that I have and and somehow putting it out in that way. I totally believe that. Were you, yeah. Have you watched, uh, this is a, a little bit of an offshoot, but have you watched that Jim and Andy Ugh, documentary? It's so good on so Netflix. Amazing. I can't recommend it enough. You have to watch it. Okay. But Jim, yeah. Jim Carrey sort of talks about like manifesting his success. Uh-huh. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I, I definitely believe in that, like, if, if you put 110% of yourself into something, it's going to happen. Uh-huh. I believe in that. And like Kelsey said about writing stuff down, I totally believe that. You have to be clear with yourself and with others about what mm-hmm. you want in order to achieve those goals. Mm-hmm. You can't just have, like, sort of ambiguous ideologies about what you want to achieve. You have to create sort of these concrete, stones in the water concrete right. ideas of, yeah. of what you want because otherwise you don't know how to get there yeah and derek and i it's funny we actually just recently had that conversation for the label too because in an industry where the face of it is is so shape-shifting we have to think about what our role is as a label and what our goals are for ourselves and our artists and yeah totally let's go there i think in any industry whatever you're doing that's a conversation you should have with yourself yeah. what are your goals and yeah. like actionable concrete goals right as well as the big the lofty ones and that's okay i think you should have the two always yeah well i think also that feeling of accomplishing the smaller goals gives you motivation to keep going totally you know you need to give yourself an opportunity to be like cross that off the list i achieved something even if it's small and that goes back to our to-do list yeah where you're like it goes back to your to-do list of like okay put on like taking a shower taking out the trash exactly because the more things you feel great you feel good and then it feels like you're you're getting momentum right and you're just building off of that if i feel like i've done 10 things just personal actions before I even have to get to my first emails of the day or a meeting yeah I already feel like I'm on a that's, roll that yeah. feels good yeah even if I'm falsely giving myself <laughs> that's what it's not this that is chum. my argument for being a morning person and giving yourself time before you oh. go into work in the morning so I so desperately like want to be on your I'm page trying. <laughs> I'm trying oh me too it's, it, it feels brutal. great when it happens it, oh, it feels so well, good when it happens yeah yeah, I'm talking to two musicians. <sighs> the wrong I'm audience for a morning person. Yeah, oh. that's a problem. <laughs> My mom is a morning person, and so just, there's so much judgment around dreamy. it. Yeah, it's the Seem, way it, it seems dreamy. It really does. <laughs> Do you crash early? Yeah. Are you exhausted? I have to. That's the difference. Yeah, that's yeah. the difference. Yeah, but I also wonder, like, I, I, like I'm, I was I'm, dying to go to your show. I couldn't go to an eleven o'clock. I know. Show. This and is where we're at now. You know, yeah. I want to be real with you. We went on late. You know, because all the bands went on late. Changeover took a while. I didn't go on stage till eleven twenty. Yeah. 
that's a late show on Which a Tuesday night. Which is a late night. show. Anyway, I, 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 I appreciate that. I, I don't yeah. know because it Friday I would have showed up. Tuesday, Tuesday that's, right. a, that's a big ask. Right. I, I, I feel you. I hear you. I understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to, I actually, yeah, there's a couple things, but I just wanted to ask about, like, are you the rock and roll lifestyle? Like, can, are you like off the bus or, or back onto the bus, you know, have some tea, go to sleep, or are you a party do you live that party kind of animal it's lifestyle? Really, it, I feel like I've toured all the ways. Yeah. Like, where, there have <laughs> been, they're, they're, they're like, I tried it all out. Yeah. You know? Like, I remember the first tours, you know, I wasn't a singer before yeah. this Mr. This could be a little crazier, So right? I, no, no, the opposite. Like, oh. I didn't have the stamina to do shows back to back. I would do one show and I'd basically lose my voice. Mm. So I was so nervous uh, okay. about being able to do shows that I was a Girl Scout. I feel like the first year that Miss Mr. was touring, I was so 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 good and like yeah what like got as much sleep as i could drink as much water as i could yeah. the vocal warmest i like i took pristine yeah. like pristine care of myself <laughs> right and i was honestly by the end of it i was miserable i was like this isn't who <laughs> i am not, as yeah. a girl exactly. who was That's raging in college and at That's pop shops and getting blackout in my early 20s in new york i was like no 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 right this is not the life i signed up for i take this seriously but i can't be this person that i'm not i feel like i'm not being myself right and it's funny because so many musicians now the sort of millennial crowd does sort of take that step back and not live that kind of like lifestyle of the artists that you were inspired by and that 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 lifestyle is part of it it ends up becoming a balance yes you ask this question of a lot of people which one about lifestyle? the rock and roll lifestyle. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm curious to know why. Because you I was this fascinated question. to learn in my own band and experience, yeah. you know, being around that that we're like not partiers. Like that it's like it's not the scene to like drugs, sex, drugs, rock and roll. That's not what it is. It's like right. be responsible, wellness conscious mm-hmm. people who like take care of yourself and go to sleep and you know, just it's just a different generation, I think, of things and I don't know if you've read Meet Me in the Bathroom or yes. are you in it? I love it. I'm, okay. I'm not. Well, okay. Derek, Derek gets a mention in it, which is really exciting. Okay. But okay. obviously I'm obsessed. It's like my that's like my perfect dream but, moment but, and time. Uh, and exactly. you read Please Kill Me. No, no, I haven't read Please Kill Me. Oh, my God, okay. girl. You have got to leave this interview okay. and get that book. Okay. Because <laughs> that is like what List. Meet Me in the Bathroom is like based off of this like oral punk history. Totally. You're gonna, you're going to feel so fulfilled and oh satisfied with that. I know it's like I'm definitely. so excited for. That is the greatest gift I can give you. Out Amazing. Of this okay, <laughs> fantastic. So that I mean, that's Which what you're we're easy to come back. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, okay. When you read it, well, let's have yeah, we'll a book club. We'll have a book club, and we'll yeah. talk about. Please come and meet me in the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. I would love that. Okay, but that's what what I'm talking <laughs> about is that is a lifestyle that I feel like it's hard to maintain as an artist. Yes. But they did, and I feel like fewer do. Am I am I just like in my own bubble of experience, or do you find that I'm speaking some kind of truth? I think there? you're speaking some kind of truth. I eventually did some f- kind of truth. I, I eventually found a middle ground where there, them tours where I got too fucked up and I couldn't do what I really needed to, and mm. I didn't like feeling like I wasn't taking what I was doing seriously with this opportunity. Yeah. And then I found this middle ground. And I like just, this is like with any job. For sure. You start a new job, for you're sure. so good, and then you test your limits. You're like, no, I can't really find a job if I do that. Off. Yeah. But I think the biggest difference is basically where we are in time. You know, if you think about bands like touring 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, there just wasn't um, as much constant pressure around you to do as many things. Think about bands now where yeah, like – your social media all the time. Your social media all the time. Your press all the time. It's yeah. much quicker to get to places. So bands where they have like, True. they'd have to take a day to travel between shows right. or whatnot. Yeah. 
just everything is consolidated. Mm. So I think an artist is being asked to do a lot more oh, all at yeah. once than they That's ever were. Mm-hmm. And they have to be on yeah. all the time. Right. So you don't have as much like privacy or downtime to get as fucking wiki wiki wild as right. you want. Right, you have to be the when, business person when in the morning. you sort of got to be like, like face all the face time. Face all the time, answer yeah. emails, be, if you're not on a label, you're totally. doing it all yourself. Totally, mm-hmm. so like you're constantly on email, you're constantly on social media, you're doing press, you've mm-hmm. got a show, like right. there just isn't, I mean, you I don't feel, get to go I to sleep really, and just, no, I feel bad for people, well, for a lot of artists now where they don't have that down, downtime to go crazy. I think certain people like, still do it, I look at someone like Tovlo and Charlie and like, those but, girls rage. Nice. I mean, they are living their <laughs> best yeah. life and on the road. And like, that, like, totally, it's exciting. Someone else is saying that about them on the podcast. I forget who it was. Anyway, that, it must be yeah. true. <laughs> but I think like there's no, there's an element of not losing yourself. Oh, I think yourself, I was asking but, Phoebe Ryan. I was like, are you a party girl? Another yeah, yeah, one of yeah. my. It was Phoebe. Things. It was Phoebe. Well, Phoebe, but like... Phoebe loves weed. I mean, like yeah. Phoebe's one of the best stoners I know. Like she lives her best life. But I feel like she called out Charlie about this. Yeah, weed is a little different. But like, but maybe not. I don't know. But, I'm, but what? it's still happening. It's, it's still, still out happening. there. It and makes there's some romanticism about a, a bygone time almost. Yes. You're saying weed is different. Like you can smoke a lot of weed yeah, and yeah, still yeah, kind of be good. Kind of. Yeah. Well, I would say that the, people, the people I look to, I'm like, you're still raging and it's goddamn inspiring. Yeah. Charlie and Tove. Right. And also, I don't, like Cage the Elephant guys go oh. so hard yeah and the portugal the man guys go so okay. hard like is there those a guys difference? are really 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 doing it <laughs> okay it's inspiring is there a difference that we're talking a little bit about rock versus pop well in this way i'd say no only because charlie and tove go just as hard True. as those okay. guys yeah and they're two different genres yeah. right and no electronic artists djs i mean like okay totally, totally. they can be hungover and right right, right. and hip-hop artists are blazed out of their mind Oh right. God, I could never smoke and go on stage. That oh my seems God. like an absolute no nightmare. Way. No way. It's <laughs> a real panic attack. And if I, took, if I took drugs, if I took E or something and performed, I would literally just be making out with the entire world. <laughs> oh my God, I can't even imagine. Be, it would just, like, You're I'm already so like, 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 love. I would be like dripping with attention for every single person in the audience. I'd have proposed to everyone in the audience by the end of the show. Right. Right. So I think your the- fantasy is still being fulfilled. You, you look unsatisfied. You know? so no, no, no. Right. But just, think I, about yeah, what these artists are being asked of. No, yeah. I think that's exactly to my point that I was I was going to ask you also is just like what is the difference of these idols that were only like eight, ten years ago coming up and changing the scene, and also the music scene that it is in that book, Meet Me in the Bathroom. There, it starts off in like 2001. There's sort of a wasteland, mm-hmm. and there's like nothing really happening in rock and roll, basically. Oh my god, I am holding on to that so tight. So I'm That's wondering. To me as I know who's, in New York who's for, now tra- trying. Do you to feel do like it. you're transitioning a little bit from pop to rock? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And do you feel like there will be a obviously pendulum swing all the time? That's inevitable. I but really like, hope. do you see that? Are you excited for that? Is that like? I my feelings about it are. They are this. Is that, <laughs> that there isn't, for me on a personal level, there is a natural progression where we had done two albums with Mr. Mister. I'd only ever made music with Max. So proud of what we achieved, but having never written music before either of us, mm-hmm. Miss Mr. was creative with them, you know, under the, the limitations of what we were capable of. Sure. And that led us to a, a pop space, mm-hmm. given that neither one of us played instruments and, and the references that we were making and our influences just yeah. like amazing to even think about totally you, like, had so that's this... its own special that, that's its own special story <laughs> but coming at the end of, of that two album cycle i hit this point where 
I was like, how am I going to move forward and grow as an artist? I want to get in the room and write with other people for the first time. I want to hold my own hand over the fire. I'd been in partnerships my whole life to that point, mm-hmm. whether it was with Derek with Neon Gold, mm-hmm. Max and Miss Mister. I was coming out of a five-year relationship. Mm-hmm. It was it just felt like the first time in my life where I was like, wow, I just really want to do something on my own and not compromise and have an autonomous vision and yeah. just see what I'm capable of having yeah. learned everything I've learned from Neon Gold and Miss Mister and do something that really honors the music that I really grew up listening to, uh-huh. which is really so rock. much what, which is rock and indie yeah. and yeah. punk. And that's so much that time period of meet me in the bathroom, right. you know, when I talk about, you know, yeah, 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 and La Tigre right. and TV on the radio and block party and Interpol and, mm-hmm. and the strokes, like, that was such a golden era and age for me. It had a huge influence on me. Yeah. And then even before yeah. that, someone like PJ Harvey and Fiona Apple, right. um, Susie Sue and the Banshees, Shirley Manson. Like I've uh-huh. just always had this super, super sweet spot for just yeah. rock music right. and yeah. alternative music. And that if you see me on stage, even with Miss Mister, I've always been that character on stage. The music nece- didn't necessarily match hmm. who I was at that point. Okay. So... My, that was my task to myself heading into LPX was I need to do something that feels more in line with holding myself on my own terms mm-hmm. for myself. Mm-hmm. So that was a natural progression that brought me to that Amen. place. Yeah. Thank you. So good. But also I would say, yes, there's now that pop music is not a dirty word. <laughs> I, and and I, I love pop music. I've got so, so much love. I mean, I think I've proven that. I think my life has really been a love letter <laughs> yeah. to pop music. Yeah. Um, but I feel like because there's a certain circuit of writing now <clears throat> and people in the mix, everything is really sounding very samey to me. I feel like mm-hmm. there's everything sounds like, you know, electronic, but still has those R&B influences and everyone's going to the same writers and the same producers. And I just honestly really, 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 really miss these wild, bold, alternative women. I just don't feel like that people have like the Alanis Morissette or the Mm -hmm. Sheryl Crow or the Gwen Stefani or the Shirley Manson that I grew up with. And I see such a lane and I feel like LPX is all the best bits about pop that I love. Totally. But it's still so true to my roots in punk rock and indie. If you don't see the thing you want in the world, you got to be it. Totally. That's exactly how I feel about it. So that's, I take that really seriously. And it's hard because you know, it's hard also when you're creating music that I'm hearing top down from labels. Don't sign alternative. No one's interested in alternative. Don't sign oh. like, alternative to no your one, label? N- not to us, but I hear it within other companies yeah, telling okay. their ANRs. Like, people don't know what to do with alternative music. Which is it's, which is rock, which is like which what is rock, is LPX which is would be considered alternative. It's like the least streamed and understood genre on all the services. Huh. Everyone's only really interested in pop electronic and hip hop. And right? hip hop, yeah. Um, which is totally fine like you said there's a real pendulum swing but it sucks at a time when i actually genuinely feel like there's a sort of amazing renaissance of alternative happening Mm -hmm. you know i think about someone like mitski or saint vincent or bully or big Mm -hmm. thief Mm -hmm. i mean this groundswell of really exciting things happening in alternative and there just isn't a A lane i wanted to ask you about saint vincent Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I just saw the concert, her concert at King's I haven't Theater. seen it. See I'm, it. I'm really curious to see it because as someone who's like, you know, I, f- like, I feel like an art rock band in my own right. I feel like that's, you know, she's okay, claiming that Okay, art line. rock band. Is art that what rock. you just said? So she's that, art rock. Right? Art rock. Yeah, art rock. No, no, no. I just hadn't heard that. 
But does that help you yes, understand the show that you saw? it does help me because I have very conflicting Yes, and I have heard very conflicting I feel <laughs> I have a lot of emotions about it. I want to hear it. all your emotions <laughs> okay. about it because I, have, I, I haven't seen it, but I... I, You've heard. I hear both sides, so I want to hear your side. Okay, I, I I'm one that would do this in general. I will play both sides because I don't oh, have. Me too. You I'm know the, what I mean? I'm, I'm not going to be like yeah, I yeah. feel this one way. I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> I've loved St. Vincent since her first record, and yes. like saw her play live, and fell in love. Mm-hmm. And I've loved every record since, you know, varying degrees. But I think she's. And what excites me about her is is that it is this lane of like rock, but there's such a unique sound and and her just her her playing is so inspiring mm-hmm. and like watching her play watching her play with a band okay so seeing her show where she stands on the stage alone mm-hmm. and then you know has these like very colorful very like poppy videos behind her this sort of like weird performance art it i felt like i was at an art show listening to her album i didn't feel like i was at a concert and if i put it in that those terms and i say this is an art rock show cool i'm like all in on that mm-hmm. like i appreciate that that exists in the world i appreciate she's someone who's pushing things forward and who is doing something different all in on that it's not what i want as a fan as a fan of saint vincent's music i want to go and see her kill it on guitar with a band I want to see a drummer play Mm -hmm. I want to see her backing band Mm -hmm. I like want that experience and I felt like an old head like I felt like man (laughs) I'm like lame I'm old like I can't get down with just like these tracks but it it bummed me out but I'm like but at the same time I'm a fan of yours as an artist if this is your choice right now as an artist I'm in I I get it and I'm cool with it but it's not what I as a Mm -hmm. music fan was excited for I hear you and I feel like that's Genuinely been what I've heard from huge fans of hers, and I'm also also a fan. I think about St. Vincent as her own artisan lane, as every artist wants to be, and especially with her, you know, it's St. Vincent before David Byrne, and it's St. Vincent after David Byrne, and yeah, you just have to like true. acknowledge and contextualize that she was a different artist before and after yeah. him. Okay, and I think she sees her role as an artist now. Sort of like regardless of genre, and I have to respect that. Obviously, in my mind totally. and heart, like I consider her a role model and a bastion of alternative rock and female force, especially in that lane. Mm -hmm. But I think, and I don't know, I don't know Annie Clark, but I have to imagine from from her perspective, she sees herself as essentially like a modern age Kate Bush or Bjork. Yeah. Yeah. And those are kinds of artists who revolutionized concerts. And I also respect that, you know, shows are, I feel like this, her art show, her concert is a reflection on like, the repetitive nature of a concert, which it does, you do end up becoming robotic. So you and mean that that's a really, commentary on it? I think, in it, a way? I think yeah. in some way, and yeah. again, hard for me to comment without having seen no, the but show. You know what you're t- <laughs> but I think that there's an element of, of touring where you start to feel robotic and it feels like so constructed. And yes, it feels raw and fun for the audience for the first time. Right, right. That's where it gets like kind of the Warholian, like totally. kind of like just showing us, like, right. And that's where the videos came yes. in, and you're like, so it does, it's thought provoking in that art way. But I, absolutely hear you at a time when alternative feels like it's not getting a lot of attention and love yeah. and for her to be at the level which she's at to not be performing with a band to do and it, to really yeah. be leaning into this genre and territory that that I feel is missing and I desire as a fan yeah it's, it, it's hard to come to terms with um so I totally hear what you're saying yeah and I so, and I would want that too I like like I really want to see someone while out on stage I you know I saw Spoon last week, and I was like, God, it just feels great to see yeah. the rock show. And, <laughs> and like, I can't like, wait to see, like, War and Drugs and The Horrors uh-huh. are my two favorite records of the year. 
I can't say if you have not listened to the Horrors record, it's the most underrated no. record. I haven't seen it on nearly enough end of year lists. Okay. I'm living <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> um it's so I just I want to see a rock band play. Yeah. Do you see LPX as alternative or rock or both? So are... I see it well, this it's funny, I have this conversation with my management all the time. It's really hard because I'm coming up against this wall where I see it as an alternative project. Okay. I, you know, one of my goals is in a genre massively dominated by men. Yeah. I really want to be this loud, wild alternative voice and mm-hmm. live neck and neck with stadium rock bands. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about, you look at like the Spotify rock, this playlist, and it's yeah. Queens of Stone Age and Foo Fighters and Muse and mm-hmm. 975 and Imagine yeah. Dragons and Cage Elephant and 21 Pilots. And all it's, it's all men. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there are... A handful of women who I feel like are really breaking down those walls, and it's, can we think? Saint Vincent's one of them. Saint Vincent's one of them. Kay Flay just got yeah, a Grammy nom, but Kay Flay is also yeah. genre defying. She was you know, on the show. she was on the podcast. Yeah. A rap artist, and her yeah, production sort of leans more into alternative. Uh-huh. Definitely. I'd also Bishop Briggs is also yeah. like I, I'm in, inspired by what she is. She's she is a modern alternative artist in that she is um, ticking certain pop tropes. I don't, intentionally or unintentionally, I don't know, but like to keep her within a certain lane. But it is she is still powerful and raw enough. Mm-hmm, it works mm-hmm. in a rock space. Mm-hmm. But those are the, th- I mean, those are the three. Right. I yeah. really so that's say. a problem. That's a that problem. On one hand, <laughs> right. and the problem that I'm facing is coming out of Miss Mister World, which was in a pop lane. I think people people don't yet know where to place me, and I think if you've only listened, which people, why would you not have the only the songs that are out, which mm-hmm. are Tightrope, Tremble, Slide. And I do a, a feature with an electric, electronic artist called What's or Not. Mm-hmm. Um, there, it's definitely like I said, it's all rooted in alternative rock. It's all live, live, totally. it's live instruments, but it's pop melodies. Yeah. yeah. So I'm still being held to this pop standard, mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel. It's I'm in this weird spot again mm-hmm. where I'm yeah. too alternative for pop, right? But I'm too pop for rock, and it feels like this weird pendulum swing where. I feel like I'm having the same conversation with myself that I had at the beginning of Neon Gold. Mm-hmm. Where, like, at that time, pop was the thing that hadn't really figured itself out. And yeah. I almost feel like, cyclically, yeah. I'm coming back to where I started, but now the question is alternative. And practically, what problem does it present for you to have to make that decision? It It's really hard for me to get Spotify playlisting. Uh, okay. It's hard for people to, and that obviously has become such a huge... You know, part of breaking any band that for Spotify to question where I land limits the scope of of the audiences that I should be targeting. Yeah. You know, so you know, I've been really lucky. That's, like, I love Spotify. So Spotify's a new so radio. Spotify. You're not worried yeah. about where to get on the radio. You're worried I'm about, worried where, to about where to get on radio. Like again, you know, um, I'm self funding, self releasing. I'm doing this independently. Yeah. So radio is is almost its own question because I don't have the funds to build a campaign around radio okay. yet. I need right. to build a I need to build a story and a following before I can even ta- like go down that path. Yeah. But between us and like everyone who's listening, <laughs> I feel confident about going to radio. Like I, I get I feel really your songs like bang so hard. Thank you. Slide so is a like fucking they, I've been thank having you. on yeah. repeat. Thank Amazing. you. Yeah. So I feel good about going to radio and being like, this is you know, alternative, you don't know who you are anymore. This is still like in line with the bands that you like, but it's modern right. and it's That's pop. It's still totally. accessible. Yeah. So that's its own thing. But Spotify, yes, is the new radio. And for an artist just starting out, you have to get the right listeners. you got to get to the right audience. Uh-huh. So what I my concern or my challenge with Spotify is that if I'm put in the wrong playlist, I'm not being listened to by the right ears. I need mm. to get to the mm-hmm. kind of fans 
that are going to understand it. There's an audience for it, but yeah. I have to find I mean, it, and that is... comes through the correct playlisting. Right. right, and this is almost the work of Neon Gold is this taste-making and trend-setting that, like, the, it hasn't shifted. It's just bubbling. So it like hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet that now everyone thinks that's the cool thing, you know? And it's hard. You had more outlets before. Like, you know, blo- the blogosphere, is. it really comes down to mm. Spotify. Blogs and press, like, that doesn't move the needle the way it once did. Really? And shows, I, I, you know, I think touring is the most important thing. I mean, it seems like you agree yeah. as well. Like, mm-hmm. the artists that I see who have long-term careers grinded it out on the road and they made a relationship with an audience yeah and they put in the time you know whether you like the music or not Mm -hmm. like look at artists like Mumford and Sons or Group Love or Portugal the Man Mm -hmm. who have just grinded it out on the road tour after tour after tour Mm -hmm. you cannot deny that they put on an amazing show whether they have singles at radio or not they can tour and make money right as a band and live their lives as artists and musicians Uh uh-huh that's the goal. Right. I want to live, I don't want to live and die by a single. I'm uh-huh. not trying to get a certain, uh, like, celebrity, quick-witted status. Like, I want to make music for the rest of my life. So I want to play. Also, genuinely, I, if a band doesn't play a good live show, I don't care. Right. Yeah, like, totally. that's put up or shut up. You either represent or you don't. You can <laughs> right. do it or you can't. Right. Yeah. But, a, but an artist can, if especially if you're independent and not on a label, and tell me if I'm wrong, but, like, you can make a lot of money from Spotify. And it, I mean, touring is, I think, still like number one. But so, yes, I would say, you know, this going back to coming off of Miss Mister and doing LPX and deciding to do it independently, I, with some level of arrogance, <laughs> I was like, you know, coming off my experience with the Uncle and Miss Mister, you know, I'm seeing all these hip hop artists release stuff independently and really create this new lane and prove that they can do things on their own and mm-hmm. and it's bigger risk but they stand to make significantly more money mm-hmm. that they, they can put back into the project and if I'm doing the A&R and the marketing ideas and the visual like why would I be giving a piece of that to someone else I can do this and mm-hmm. I have enough money saved up that I can invest into myself and set this up the way that I feel appropriate right. to do and how amazing, amazing would it be if in the long run like my story was that I reclaimed alternative as a genre that didn't understand itself, became a woman and a force within that lane, and I did it on my own. Pretty much unheard of within a genre. There just aren't independent artists who do that in pop or in rock. It just, I want it so, I can taste it. I want it so badly. That's going to happen. So all of those things being said, (laughs) there's so many things in my way to do that. And I'd say like, you know, yes, Spotify... If things really go at Spotify, that's huge for me. Uh-huh. That's yeah. money that I can put directly back into the project. Right. All right. I want to do is tour. Because that money I, goes directly to you. It goes directly to me and my team. Right. If I was making money off Spotify, when I'm making money off Spotify, mm-hmm. there you go. I'm just going to put it into, into touring. It right I've yeah. done two tours to date. I did, I did a tour with Haim, which is amazing. That's yeah. a huge opportunity. Such an amazing co-sign. They're friends of mine. That's exactly playing to the right audience. Mm-hmm. I also did a tour with RAC. I love being on the road. I feel so confident about mm-hmm. my live show and who I am as a performer. Yeah. It's so expensive. It's tour. so Touring, expensive. Yeah. And then when you don't have label support and it's coming out of your own pocket, so that's, that's real. So now yeah, that's, that's the difference. That's so the now difference. that I'm entering, you know, I'm putting on EP in January and I wish I could just be on the road, but I can't afford to tour yet. I just, I just can't. Just, I can probably wow. do two big tours, ideally opening for the right people yeah. next year to get in front of the right yeah. fan base. Okay. But like, 
that's a real that's challenge. real and that's what I guess coming back to when you said that you and Derek are having conversations about the shift mm-hmm. and what that means for neon gold and what that means in general this is part of that it's like what is you know if it's re- if it's really like tour support or I don't know what else that the label really gives you that you can't get on your own it's a it's well, tough. I, it's tough but I the way that Derek and I talk about with neon gold is what we feel we offer you know I I think the conversation of being on a label or not on a label definitely comes down to what genre you're in, what mm-hmm. kind of artist you are, and what your interests are. Mm-hmm. You know, I've definitely worked with musicians who just live and breathe the music, but they don't really care about the visuals, which is totally okay. Uh-huh. You know, or I live with artists who uh, aren't really good at recording but really like playing live shows and don't know how to translate that or don't know how to do marketing, don't care about that side. That's totally okay. Sometimes musicians just want to be a musician. And right. what we offer is... We'll take care. Of we'll, you. Help, we'll help. We'll, we'll help, help with marketing and, and campaigning. That's what we're really good at. Something we take a lot of pleasure in doing, and we'll be your ears. Right. Like what we're best at doing is is NR and marketing. Mm-hmm. So if if you're an artist looking for those things, looking for feedback and help getting off the ground and a completed vision, or you know, we've worked with so many artists like Marina and Christina the Queens and Tovlo who have such a whole vision for themselves. Mm-hmm. We just want to be there to execute your yeah. vision because you have such a complete sense of self. So. I f- do feel like we are in this special lane where we can offer bands those opportunities and offer tour support, which is huge. huge That's huge. everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I totally understand why a hip hop artist would be like, why do I need why it? Do I can I... just keep releasing mixtapes. I've got no overhead to tour. Right. And put the money back in the own project. Yeah. So it's a confusing, ever evolving conversation that has no clear answers and is different <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> I feel like you've marked out your resolutions for 2018. Yes. You have yes. your achievable yeah. goals, your lofty goals. I really hope. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just nailed it with what you said. You know, what you're going for is is exciting. Because I think a lot of people, I, it's I'll scary. Speak, I'm feeling ready for that. You know, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. I'm glad to hear that. When I'm glad you brought up me in the bathroom because there's also this huge shift. I'm sure you guys feel it too, where everyone is leaving New York. It's all happening in L.A., and there's, I mean, there's some really exciting things happening in California, and all these writers and producers and musicians and artists are out there. It's mm-hmm. a really wonderful community, and a mm-hmm. lot of exciting music is being made there. I go back and forth a lot. I got no beef with LA. <laughs> I'm just, I've moved. Back I'm just and a forth. New Yorker. Yeah. I just, I am the best version of myself in the city. I feel very tied to the city. I think I feel very nostalgic and connected to the bands that I fell in love with that are from this totally. city. And so when I started Meet Me in the Bathroom, yeah, it, it opens and it basically talks about New York being this place land. No one's here. Yeah. No yeah. one cares. There isn't a scene. Right. And how at the same time there is something alive about it that is inspiring. And like, totally. Well, then if you stay, you void. can become the pioneer totally. of the next era. So exactly. in my mind, that's what I'm holding on to. I'm yeah. like, Love it. if it happened uh, then, it can it's, happen it's, again. And why shouldn't it? And yeah, I think all the, like, the intentions are in the right place. And New York totally. is always going to have that magic and people are always going to say New York is dead or LA is dead. Yeah, they've always said it. You just got to do your thing. Do what's right to you. Yeah. I'm happy. But something I appreciate about you is that you're claiming your lane, but you also try to open the lane, especially for other women artists to come with you. And I, I hope so. Thank you for that. I mean, I don't think it's about like out shouting one another, like, right. Like it's like more hands on deck. I hear a lot of women saying now, which we all have to understand ourselves. There's room for all of us. Mm -hmm. We've been taught that there isn't, that there's only room for one. And those, it's Definitely. the gatekeepers. It's right, the gatekeepers exactly. at radio. It's yeah. gatekeepers at play. It's like, Which are falling away, but are they now moving to Spotify? <laughs> like, are those well, gatekeepers just now? Who knows? They're shifting it's platforms. An, it's an opportunity to Spotify to 
not fall into those tropes. And I think they do a lot to overcompensate mm-hmm. for that. Uh, not overcompensate. I mean that in a positive way. We're not, okay, but like, but like, you're a gatekeeper now, in yeah. a way. You have a label. You yeah. Know? So that's, that's also true. part of it. Who that's are the true. gatekeepers? Who yeah. are the gatekeepers who are leaving? And I think yeah. also part of it is, you know, women, supporting women online yeah. and on tour yeah. and on features and in the way you talk and respect other artists in your lane. And right. also, honestly, for men to incorporate and bring yeah. more women and have more exactly. features. Like it's, 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 it's not just like women supporting women, which is incredibly important. It's everyone supporting each other. Exactly. And I always point to my business partner and best friend, Derek, who is a man, <laughs> bringing an ally. You know, us working together as a team and mm-hmm. us walking away from situations where I wasn't recognized as an equal in a meeting and us not signing with certain companies because of that and him being a huge, huge, huge champion and loudspeaker for women, we predominantly release women on our label. Right. Mm, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, he true. Does. and he pretty much, we've only really had maybe like two, three male people work with us over the past like 10 years. Like, it's just about, again, all hands on deck, everyone treating each other yeah. as equals. Yeah. I'm really looking to those like stadium rock acts and really, really big rock acts okay. to just embrace yeah. more women. I think I think they are. It's just, you know, breaking that mold and not feeling competitive. Yeah. You know, I remember seeing like some radio competitions even with Miss Mister about like who's the like female alternative voice you want to hear on the radio and it was like Haley from Paramore, me, Hannah from Group Love, um I'm sure a lot more other people I can't I can't remember. <laughs> but basically things like that are so fraught. Because it's basically saying that there's only room for one or two or three female voices within yeah, a certain that's genre. that's why the competition comes and in. And it doesn't make space. sense when you're looking at, you know, however many indie or rock bands, boys in leather jackets, you never have that conversation. Right. It just shouldn't be a part of it. And like mm-hmm. I said before, there are so, I mean, I don't know if you've listened to that Big Thief record. It is just stunning. Okay. I mean, it is just so amazing. There's just... There's a really, there's a lot of really exciting stuff happening in alternative, especially with women. Um, I feel a lot of, I think a lot of peer support. Muna also, yeah, I think yeah. like breaking down the wall and being like an amazing loudspeaker for, for social issues too and totally. politics. And obviously there's more space for that and it's more important than ever to also be incorporating that. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So well, I feel optimistic. By example. Yes, well, well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I feel good. I feel, I feel like eyes on the prize. Yeah, you know? yeah, absolutely. So the EP is coming out. January 12th. Woo-hoo. Awesome. Um, you can pre-order it now or order it now uh-huh. whenever this comes out. Are there any more singles coming out before that? I'm probably going to put out, so Slide is out now. Yes. I'm hope, you know, it's one of those funny Slide things. Slide produced by a woman. Slide produced by a woman. Um, Jen DeSilvio, who's an awesome, awesome, awesome writer and producer. And she did the whole Beth Ditto record, um, nice. which for me is like so exciting because I love the gossip. Yeah. And she does a lot with Anne-Marie out of the UK. Um, and she's a total boss. Um, and that was like I like I said before, like a really unique experience being in the room with a woman, which is not something I've done very much of, mm-hmm. which is not something that should be as rare as it is. <laughs> um, with the single conversation, yeah. you know, in my mind, like there's a song on the, the title track from the EP is called "Bolt in the Blue." Super proud of it. It's like a personal political mantra, nine inch like nine inch nails inspired anthem. It's sweet. It is. Heavy. Yeah. It is super aggressive. Awesome. <laughs> um, and in my mind, like that's going to be like the focus track. Cool. cool. And so that's what I plan to direct people towards as it comes out. Okay. But 
in the age of Spotify, it's sort of like, well, what, what, it's going to put its own hand up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of, you know. Well, they get put onto playlists. Like, someone curates that. Someone, yeah, curates that stuff. So, yeah. So, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm excited about putting out the EP. I think that really contextualizes, con- sorry, yeah. contextualizes the project for the first time in the way where I understand why people to this point still don't maybe quite know where to place me. Uh-huh. And I think just even having three more songs. Sure to put together the spectrum of what the project is offering yeah. is going to give people a greater understanding of like what I really want from this project. Totally. Um, and I'm already, you know, I'm still writing. I plan to just keep writing, writing, writing and releasing and touring when I can afford to and where I can. Um, and you just hope in time that like people catch up with you. You just have to sort of keep doing it. Just and when I, even work. when I look at someone like Mitski, I'm like, girl, you just hustled. You just kept doing your mm-hmm. best work and mm-hmm. putting it out and people caught up. Yeah, and it's really awesome to see someone like her thriving, and it's yeah. exciting to see someone like Verite. Yeah, just keep releasing music, keep releasing music, keep establishing herself. Like on her, uh, on she her? on her own. Mm-hmm. I mean, she is the only pop artist I can point to that is doing that. Yeah, wow. it's exciting. Well, cheers to the independent ladies. Yeah. Cheers to the indie ladies and my soul sisters. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Wow, we'll a, see you back here for treat. for book club. Have me back Please. whenever. <laughs> okay. New York ladies, we gotta stick together. I'm yes, around. That's right. awesome. I'm a real talker. We can go for days. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see. All right, to be continued then. Yes. Thank you for Thank having you. me. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.